0: I'm a member of a Red Sox nation, it's a kind of a family Wherever I roam, a Fenway home, that's where I long to be I'm a member of a Red Sox nation, it's a kind of insanity Yeah, I live and die with Red Sox pride for eternity I make a smile, no family Red nation. It's a kind of a family. Wherever I roam, Fenway home. That's where I long to be. I'm a member of the Red
1: Sox nation. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to not just another episode of the Benny and the Beds podcast—the 100th episode of the podcast. We will be covering Boston Red Sox baseball and mostly, actually, MLB-wide hot stove. But there will be some uh, Red Sox-related discussion with it as well. For everyone staying up late tonight on Periscope, the podcast can be found as always on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Spreaker, Stitcher, Player FM and basically wherever you can find it on Google. I am Terry Cushman, and tonight I am joined, as always, by Jeremy Schilling. Jeremy, how are you? I'm good, Terry, and yourself? Pretty good. Just going to uh, tag team it tonight, the two of us. So diving right into it, uh, we'll get into Manny Machado, and then for the audience, we will also talk about uh, Miller Andrew Miller and Steve Pierce, but leading off with Machado. What are your opening thoughts and expectations for where he
2: might end up? Um, you know, let me just start with this. As a caveat, I hate Manny Machado. <laughs> I think he's a scumbag. I think he's a dirty player. Um, I don't, you know, I, I don't hate every, you know, dirty or or player that kind of plays on that line. I hate the guy who pretends like he's a choir boy and then spikes people and steps on people's foot on first base and just does things that, you know, generally speaking, are really, like, open and obviously dirty. So just as a caveat to my Machado thoughts, in my opinion, he's unequivocally a goddamn scumbag. Okay, so now that that's off my chest. Um, I don't think he's a shortstop, and I, I don't know why... Uh, the Orioles and then the Dodgers were willing to placate that. Um, I wish I had some advanced statistics on his um, defense uh, metrics, but assuming that whoever's going to sign him is at least initially going to have to put him at shortstop, I think that's a factor in wherever he ends up going. Um, He is an elite offensive player. Um, the, the, The thing that I would caution some teams about is the fact that for the large portion of his career, except for like this, obviously the year with the Dodgers and, uh, was it two or three years ago? They, they won like 88 games, the Orioles. He really has largely not had a, had a impact on a, on a team that's even at or above 500. So, um, if you're the type of team that thinks Manny Machado is going to put you over the top, you know, that's, this guy's not for you. Um, on the flip side if you're a team that you know you're already there um, but let's say you do have a, a glaring hole um, you know maybe maybe with run production he, he is the type of guy for you um, the money is going to be crazy uh, and Terry I'm actually going to defer to you on, on your thoughts on this first but let me just end my opening commentary with we spoke at length about Bryce Harper's marketability as a clean cut guy family guy no trouble, uh, really, except for some in, in the clubhouse stuff where we discussed, and I truly believe his, his value is at least to some extent related to his marketability. Manny Machado, to me, because of the image that he has, um, I don't think he's really an electric personality. Um, obviously, I think he's a scumbag. I, I think his value is going to be south of Bryce Harper. Um, so, you know, uh, just some of my opening thoughts um, on 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 Manny. I think a lot of people are going to
1: agree with you on his character. He's not a classy guy. Um, the Red Sox have learned that the hard way with the Dustin Pedroia. Uh, blow up where, you know, he had, he spiked him sliding into second and whatnot, and then it seemed like as soon as he got to the Dodgers and he was no longer managed by Buck Showalter, the dirtiness just exploded, and there were all kinds of incidents. He stepped on uh, Aguilar, the Brewers' first baseman, and then he did it with Pierce. There was another incident, I think. Uh, let's see, where was it? Uh, he spiked someone in else that, as well.
2: In that brewer, in that brewer series, he spiked uh, their first baseman, um, right-handed power Dominican bat. I can't remember his name right now. Aguilar, but he spiked him I in think. That. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Did you say that? Yeah. And um, okay. but that's, he also that's what I'm aware
1: of. right. And he hit um, Vasquez a couple of times with his backswing, and I I think had done that previously in the playoffs as well. So, I mean, it just, whichever manager takes him on is going to have a whole bag of issues to deal with. And then you had, you know, just the press conference blunders where he said he wasn't Johnny Hustle and he never has been and never will be. That can't sound good. His agent couldn't have been happy about that. And then I think, I can't remember, it was game four or five of the World Series where he hit a ball that looked like it might have been a home run and he kind of, you know, you know, kind of took his time and was pretty nonchalant. And then turned out it just bounced off the wall and, and because of his lack of hustle, as I was just talking about, it ended up just being a long single when it would have been a double for anyone else. So you got you got those things you know to deal with, and um, everybody looks at the Red Sox and the Yankees to be players for every major free agent. And I think we can agree the Red Sox aren't going to be in on Machado, much like they're not going to be in on Bryce Harper, and the Yankee. We'll get to them specifically in a minute, but. Fans of of both fan bases, the Red Sox and the Yankees, seem to want very little to do with Machado, you know, and and I think, you know, the money's obviously going to be big, but I think his character even resonates with us. I mean, he's been a division ri- rival and, and neither fan base is interested in acquiring his services. So, I mean,
2: that's <laughs> I think that says a lot. Yeah, it does. It does say a lot. I mean, I've come out, you know, on on him right away with that to kind of get it out of the way. To get back to the team-specific issues, why the two main spenders, um, because obviously the Dodgers have already said they're going back to their previous shortstop who's coming back from an injury. The Red Sox are so well set um, that there's just no need for him. I mean, Bogarts is, is still in his arbitration years, with Devers and Nunez and Holt, there's just you know, there's just no there's no spot for him. Let alone, why would you spend the money on Machado, which would basically eliminate you from the bets sweepstakes? So to me, it's just a no brainer with the Yankees. And I said this the other day: please sign Machado, <laughs> sign him, sign him to three hundred million dollars for seventeen years. Please, please sign him and ignore your pitching staff. They need pitching. They do not need another they don't they don't need another power bat they got more power bats than they know what to do with okay um and and i i really like dd gregorius i know i think he hurt his elbow in the last week of the maybe even the last game of the year i can't remember so there's some question about his availability um at least to start next season but dd gregorius to me is a top five six shortstop maybe eight uh top eight shortstop there's just no reason i think he's an eight or nine million a year guy uh he's in his arbitration years that to me is just a no-brainer there's just no need for it and then they've got some young talent um in other infield spots where they just don't need him again and, and they they are they are desperate for pitching we talked um uh about keiko last podcast and i was so surprised that Uh, Chris uh, really had no interest in him as a as a Yankees fan so I think it just goes to show you that maybe they don't know what they want in New York but they know it's not another power bat as far as where he's gonna go um, a pretty good website that I think you turned me on to is mlbtraderumors.com they have Manny going to the Phillies Um, by the way uh, Philadelphia and Manny Machado deserve each other but that's maybe a different topic for a different day 13 years 390 million dollars I'm sorry. That is that is monopoly money. That is just ridiculous. And we talked about Harper getting money because of his marketability. Like, I, I don't know. I just don't see this. And, and the Phillies, you, you said it. I think you did a couple minutes on it. Where basically Philadelphia has come out and basically said, hey, look, we're willing to spend money. So I, I just – the Phillies are a young up-and-coming team. They, they kind of – they, you know, they have a unusual style of manager and Gabe Kapler, who basically just completely lets the the baseball metrics, to, you know, make all of his decisions. So he's pulling guys like after three and two thirds innings, even though they're they're cruising. It's just weird stuff happening over there. They got an up and coming team. They absolutely um, could use a guy like Machado. Just the money seems crazy. I don't think there's going to be a lot of people in the M- Manny Machado sweepstakes. Um, you know, when you're talking about that type of money, you already eliminate two-thirds of the league. You already eliminate the, uh, the Sox. You eliminate the Yankees. You eliminate the Dodgers. You're getting down to five, six teams max. That would have any interest, uh, you know, anywhere near the money he's asking for. So um, Philadelphia would be. It has has always kind of seemed like a natural landing spot. I just think um, the money is crazy I, I, to go over ten years. Just it seems unnecessary. I I, I do think he's going to end up in Philadelphia. That that those rumors have been going for two or three years now. So to get ahead of my prediction, I do think he'll go to the Phillies, and I think it'll be ten years, two hundred seventy-five million dollars.
1: Yeah, it's kind of hard right now because most of the attention is on Harper and his market looks more and more limited by the day in terms of the number of teams that might be in play for him. So um, maybe things don't get too hot and heavy with Machado until the Harper stuff gets worked out. But um like you said MLB trade rumors does have him 13 years 390 million. I think that's way off the charts. I don't think that's realistic at all. Uh, sport track has him at six years 160 million which works out to be 26.8 million annually. I think the annual figure for them is is probably on the money but I feel like it'll probably be at least an 8 year deal so that pushes it up to roughly 220 or so 210 220 uh and I think that I think it is going to be in the 2s I don't think it'll uh eclipse 300 million and uh and it, it could drift up towards Uh, you know, 275, your figure, should the annual number come up to, say, 30, 32 million. So there's still a long way to go, uh, you know, until he gets signed. I I don't think anything is is imminent. Um, With the Yankees specifically, They are talking about uh, adding two starting pitchers. James Paxton has been connected to them. He's also connected to the Astros, but it's interesting that they're looking at trades right now versus signing anyone because Keuchel is out there. Dallas Keuchel probably will be uh, affordable, you know, for a big market team anyway. Patrick Corbin has been connected to them since last summer, but they they seem to be exploring trades right now. Um, if they were to end up being in play for Machado, though, I think it would be later in the hot stove season if the market tends to fall. If the market falls fairly low, say it gets closer to that sport track figure, six years, 160, I don't know why it would, but if it did, I think they would probably become players in that. You mentioned Gregorius, one of the better shortstops in the game, his availability. Um, he's probably going to miss the first two months uh, per a couple reports that I saw. So he could conceivably rejoin the team uh, in early June following his Tommy John rehab, which is obviously a lot uh, quicker for a position player than it is a pitcher. Um, and I think shortstop would be where he would play for now because they have Miguel Andahar, and it, it boggles my mind that he ends up in trade talks and that they're not completely adamant that he'll be their third baseman going forward, because he did hit two ninety seven last year, 27 home runs, 92 RBIs. He had a better year than Andrew Benintendi did, and maybe he's obviously not as good defensively at his respective position, but... Definitely a really good bat. So, I mean, for the Yankees to blow all that money on Machado just doesn't make a whole lot of sense, given the cheap homegrown talent they had. Another team in the American League, the only other one I can really see being in play for him uh, might be the White Sox, but who really knows? It's tough to tell how far away they are from being competitive. They do have a decent farm, but uh, I don't know. And then getting over to the National League, the Cardinals could probably be in play for him uh, as a shortstop. The Chicago Cubs in the past week have come out and said they will basically listen to um, any trade scenario with any of their players, basically. And Chris Bryant's name was brought up. So if Bryant were to be moved, maybe the ulterior is to sign Machado. I have no idea if if that's the angle they're working on. It would be a big middle finger to Scott Boris because they would be peddling his client, Chris Boris, out of a big market, not getting themselves in on the Bryce Harper sweepstakes, and then going after the other big fish, that's who knows, really, like I said, if that's the plan there, but it's a possibility. Uh, interestingly, who says the Washington Nationals can't be and play for him? If he ends up being the discount between him and Harper, I mean, I wouldn't put anything past him, especially if they were willing to give up uh, 10 years, $30 million per year, $300 million overall. If we both agree that Machado's not going to reach that, I don't know. I I don't know that the Nationals aren't in play for him. Uh, The Phillies, obviously a fit, and uh, like you said, they deserve each other. It's a very toxic market for a toxic player, and who knows? With their hardcore analytical philosophy, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if they you know, basically became what the Nationals have been the last decade. Um, And then the Dark Horse team, the San Diego Padres, they're prone to doing stupid stuff, and they're not far off from competing. So, um, I think he stays National League. Uh, Phillies are... are are probably the most willing of anyone like you said to to pay the stupid money so uh that's a a definite uh landing spot for him i would say
2: well there is a lot there and i didn't get all of all of my uh all of your comments down in note form so i'm only going to respond to the stuff that i'm going to be able to uh recall um, I think we're in the same spot in the Yankees, and I think anybody that's covering baseballs uh, hasn't disagreed with us about the Yankees. The only thing I will say about Machado is that he is so good that you could look at a team and go, well, they don't need a shortstop. But then it's like manage, you know, that team's management may, may say, well, we don't need a shortstop. But how often does a guy like Manny Machado come around? So, do we like our shortstop? Yeah. Do we like Didi Gregorius if you're the Yankees, for example? Yeah, we do. Um, but he's not Manny Machado. Um, so, now with that said, the the money in New York is is getting tight, and, and with the luxury tax threshold in place and all, and and the fact that they do need pitching, I just I immediately crossed the Yankees off. The only thing I will say about the Yankees is Cashman came out and said right away we're not interested in Bryce Harper. He, I don't I haven't heard him say that. About Manny Machado. So that's a little interesting. Just a little side note. Uh, Padres, White Sox, I lump in the same category. They're too far away. Um, and Machado is going to get some nibbles from teams that are already in that contender mode. So it just, I think it would say a lot about Manny Machado if he goes and signs with some team uh, like the White Sox or Padres, who are not built to win now. And I understand he's probably going to sign somewhere between six and 10 years. Um, but he, he was on a, a perpetual loser in Baltimore. Um, and I, I just, I don't know. I, I, I don't, I don't think he's going to do that. And I don't, you know, I don't know Manny Machado. Like I know, you know, Xander Bogarts or, or a Red Sox guy. I haven't heard his comments. Um, in large part, about his free agency. So maybe I'm missing the boat here, but it just seems to me to not be a natural fit. Um, I've already talked about the Phillies. I've already said it just seems like the Phillies are the natural landing spot because they've said they're going to spend money, because they've already said they want Manny Machado, and because he hasn't necessarily dispilled dispelled those rumors. So to me, there's three teams that I would just touch on briefly. The one is... Uh, is there any chance that he pulls a uh you know a, a reverse course and goes back to the Orioles now that they've got some assets for his trade um i haven't heard anything about this um he never ha- said he hated baltimore as, as far as i know um they're they're really far away they they stink they lost the what did they lose like 115 games i mean they are a goddamn dumpster fire so you'd say, well, you know, well, Jeremy, then you got to lump them in with your White Sox and Padres comments. I don't simply because obviously he grew up in that system. So, you know, just, just a little comment on the Orioles. I, I I do not think he'll go there. I haven't heard anything from anyone that is in the know that he has a opportunity to go back there. The Cubs seem like a long shot. Now, they did mention Chris Bryant. And by the way, I, I've heard Theo Epstein for the better part of two decades say no one's untouchable. Um and he'll you know he'll take phone calls on everybody. That's been his MO for since back in his early Red Sox days. He also said that it was a virtual certainty or or just shy of a virtual certainty or something like that was his quote that Chris Bryant is not going anywhere. So um I, it seems to me that Theo is not going to overspend on Manny Machado um because he's going to want to keep that team Good and relevant for the foreseeable future and they have an opportunity to do that So to me Manny Machado shortens your window by eating up all those dollars and for that reason I just don't think the Cubs are a legitimate Possibility unless you get down into the six-year 25 million per range because if that is the market then I think you're going to see a whole bunch of teams jump in on him Including maybe the Yankees, which is why maybe the Yankees haven't said they don't want him like they did with Bryce Harper The Nationals are interesting. Um, They did offer the 10 and 300 to Bryce. So you'd think that they'd be willing to maybe go that way with Machado. With that said, again, I do think he goes back to Philadelphia. Now, Terry, I'd like to just touch on one topic. um, And maybe you want to jump in and finish your your thoughts on the team-by-team analysis first. But I do want to talk about the Pedroia situation uh, before we move on to uh, Andrew Miller. Sure, go ahead. That was a dirty play, and there's no question about it. Um, But that play has, as a Red Sox fan, turned me against Pedroia at the same time. That is one of the more unusual plays in Major League Baseball since I've been a fan. And I probably go back to like 89 or 90 where I started watching the far majority of the games. No one came out of that situation looking good. Um, Pedroia threw his teammates under the bus. The pitching staff came out and did what what you know old school baseball players would do, and then Pedroia came out and said, "Well, don't throw at him. I didn't. I didn't ask for this. All that stuff." Uh, Machado, that was kind of the birth of his douchebaggery, in my opinion, and you know. Pedroia hasn't been able to get healthy, and I think it goes. It, it's a it, like Machado is doesn't get talked about enough about how how what he's done, being reckless, running the bases, and just otherwise being a dirty player. With the Aguilar play in the NLDS and the Steve Pierce play in the World Series, those guys didn't get injured, and in both cases, those guys stayed in the game. Um, and obviously, it gets overshadowed because. The Red Sox wound up, I think, winning the World Series. The game he did that. Machado may have ruined and ended Pedroia's season. Uh, I'm sorry, career. He he played three games this year. He he he, he was one for twenty one or whatever the hell he was. He sucked. Um, and I you know I call him the little leader. Um, and I think he is an eyesore on this roster. In that in that. Contract is another contract in the line of bad contracts that this team just seems willing to offer every three or so years. Um, but for whatever reason, and you see it a lot more in hockey, where it's like a nasty hit ends a guy's career, and that guy's like got a stain on him. You know, he becomes a dirty player. Um, Machado ended Pedroia's career. That's what it looks like right now. You know it. It just doesn't get talked about, and and it's it, it. And I don't understand that. And maybe maybe I see him differently than the than the rest of the fan base and the media sees Manny Machado. But by all accounts, Pedroia is not going to be ready next year. Um, and if he is, it's going to be like in the middle or late part of the year. Just something. It's just odd. It's just odd. And no. And obviously, no one came out of that looking good. But he he. It, it looks like ended. A potential Hall of Fame player's career and it just not talked about.
1: He might have been, and Pedroia had gone undergone a a more minor surgery before the twenty seventeen season uh, than he did before the twenty eighteen season, which was a more, you know, major comprehensive surgery. Um so, I mean, his knee was bad to begin with, but um he might have he might have and that that whole thing that that whole thing was weird and the fact that Pedroia, you know completely threw the entire bullpen under the bus was pretty stunning and um you know and and they you know they were just trying to. <laughs> show him that, you know, they had his back, and um, so, you know, uh, that in and of itself became probably the bigger controversy of that whole series, uh, more so than Machado sliding into his leg, but I mean, that that's the player that Machado is, and um, I hope teams take that into account. I hope that literally costs him... $100 hundred million dollars over the course of the next decade, whatever his contract ends up being. But um, you're right, though. Not a lot of people uh, talk about that. I, you know, they'll definitely talk about his antics throughout the playoffs. But I'm not sure. And with Pedroia, that major surgery he had—the cartilage restoration surgery—it's relatively new. I, I, I don't really know any other athletes who have had it so far I'm sure there might might be a few others but no one notable and uh Stephen Wright had that though uh on the Red Sox and he had complications and and wasn't really ready for the playoffs and um both of them ended up having like a second minor arthroscopic uh surgery to kind of clean some stuff up uh around those uh tendons in the knee, but um, that might not be a viable surgery for pro athletes going forward. I, I've even heard the term experimental used uh, you know since Pedroya came back so if it, it, it might have ended his career and and with Pedroya like who who says he's going to be able to come back and, and swing the bat? I mean Grady Sizemore couldn't do it and he was much younger than Pedroya. And I just, I don't know. Pedroia was one for 28. If you include the triple a at bats this year, he just, I don't know. It's just an extreme long shot to me that he'll come back. Recovering is one thing and being able to play again at a major league level is, is a whole different thing. So, um, and then just to wrap up my thoughts, um, I'm going to agree with you on the Phillies uh, so far. I think the Nationals could emerge, like I said. Uh, and don't don't discount the Cubs, though. Um, you know, if they can if they can somehow find a way to eliminate some money, I think I think Bryant is making uh, over 10 million because he I forget the term for it. He was like a a super two guy, so he was able to hit arbitration early thanks to his uh, MVP season and I just I don't know that I I think Theo Epstein hates Scott Boris and the J.D. Drew you know drama from before 2008 or 2007 rather I, I think rubbed Theo the wrong way Drew was a Boris client and I just think he's already resigned to the fact that Bryant isn't going to be a long-term guy. So maybe he doesn't get peddled right away. Maybe he gets peddled in the last year or two of arbitration so that, you know, they at least get something. But but I still think, you know, whether Bryant is or is not, you know, a part of the, you know, a part of the process of bringing Machado in, I, I still think... They could find ways to be to be players uh, for Machado, one way or the other. Um, um, and so, any any last thoughts on either the you know Machado or the Pedroia thing?
2: No, um, I I just looked up while you were talking about Chris Bryant has three more years of arbitration, and he's going to have. You know he he made just under eleven million this year, so he's going to look at $13,000, set like so. He's he's going to make a ton of money um, right. without having a, an actual long term contract in place. I just don't see a reason why they wouldn't go arbitration year two, arbitration year three before they move him uh, in twenty twenty one if that's what they want to do. Uh, and the other the only thing I I say with Boris and and I get one hundred percent. Like I know. Theo and Boris have had their differences and and there's been some rumblings that Epstein won't even you know deal with Boris people to a certain extent I just hold on to this fact that the athlete themselves wouldn't necessarily let an agent you know just steamroll the process Chris Bryant seems happy there um so there's a chance I think that maybe he ha- he has some saying it. I, uh, you're probably right, and I'm probably wrong. It just I, I was uh, for the most part surprised about how much team control there is over Bryant. Um, but you know, with that said, if if you can get Machado for eight years and know what you're gonna have and have him under contract, and you don't have to deal with Boris because Machado is not a Boris guy. Uh, would you move Chris Bryant, you know, especially if it, it fills out the back end of your your roster and gives you a couple prospects? It's something that, you know, and Theo is not shy from the from the splash deal. So uh, the more you talk about it, the more you look at that angle, Terry, the more I, I, I like your Cubs commentary, <laughs> you know. But that's it. Um, I wish Machado nothing but the absolute worst. Um, I hope he gets a one year deal for ten million dollars and he just he stinks. And he never makes his money because I hate the guy.
1: Yeah, and one last thing on Bryant. I think he would command uh, close to a Chris Sale-level haul in return. I, I think he would get at least, you know, one top five prospect. And then the, the number two would be somewhere in the top 10 or 15. And then they just kind of fill it out after that. But um, Well, I'll
2: tell you right now, um, because everything I do is like, in my, it may I may not say it on the podcast, but in my mind, I'm always thinking, what well, what's the effect on the Red Sox? I'd go Devers. I'd give him Groom. I'd give him maybe another prospect, and go get Chris Bryant. Ugh. I mean that that is that that is uh, that's just a guy that. I mean, just thinking about it gets me excited. So I, I don't know. Maybe I don't, I don't want to go too far <laughs> down that rabbit hole in this podcast. But you know, you know, I don't know, man. That would be that would be exciting. But I'm not anyway.
1: saying I'm not saying it wouldn't work out. You know, with with that type of a trade. But I just kind of, I just my hopes are kind of high for Devers right now. So I, I just, you know, I'd kind of like to just stay, you know, on that path, but. But, you know, at Fenway, Chris Bryant, yeah. He would uh, – there, there would definitely be moonshots over the monster for sure.
2: Um, well, he, he hits to all, you know, fields, and um, he's a marketable guy. We talked about that last podcast, it's, you know. So uh, he has an all-time great video, by the way, where he shows up to, like, a Division Three school and the coaches the coach is like this guy's gonna get some at bats and he shows up and no one recognizes him for one reason or another and he's just absolutely crash crushing home run after home run. If you haven't seen the video it's great.
1: Okay. Yeah I'll have to I'll have to check it. you know look it up rather. Um all right so let's uh, get into Andrew Miller here, uh former Red Sox player, former Yankee as well. Um thirty three years old so this will be the last you know, big contract that he likely signs. Um, Some health concerns. He, you know, had a nagging knee injury, but I guess he's undergone some uh, physicals. I don't know if that included uh, imaging of any sort, but he basically does have a clean bill of health and the market on him is expected to be pretty robust. Um, MLB TR, MLB Trade Rumors, has him three years, 27 million. Sport Track has him three years, 53 million, so quite the disparity there. You're going from 9 million annually on one side to 17.9 on the other. My suspicion is it'll probably be somewhere in the middle of that. But um, it's basically impossible to pinpoint any teams because half the league literally could could be in on him. Most teams are willing to spend for you know at least one top flight reliever. If they don't have one, they're probably going to be in the market for one. And um, you know so. And if you Google him, I, I was you know doing a little bit of research before we came on and i literally saw headlines for every major team saying that he should be a priority for them what are your thoughts
2: my thoughts are how quickly you glanced over the health issues cuz let me read let me read you his splits for the last 2 years 2017 he uh, he appeared in 57 games 10 earned runs which is banana land that's an era of 1.44 he had a 0.83 whip he, he didn't save games and you know win loss does not matter 95 strikeouts that is that is as dominant of a year as um you know that type of reliever and and why he's so valuable is that he's a swiss army knife type of guy he he, he doesn't appear to have any ego um about closing in fact i don't he He's never really been a closer. He doesn't seem to go out there and say much anyways, but he certainly hasn't said anything about wanting to close. But he's nasty. I mean, he is absolutely filthy when he's healthy and he's on. And and, and he's jumped around from team to team, which is a little bit surprising um, given how good he's been. But then you jump to last year, 37 games, and he had two or three stints on the DL. So, okay, 16 earned runs. So that's a 4.24 ERA. Which is not great 1.38 whip, which is below average again the wins and the saves don't matter and he didn't have them anyways, but And his strikeout numbers were were way down 45 strikeouts He's 33 years old. He's pitched some high leverage Situations and he's another guy uh, like I've mentioned with Chris sale where his plant leg is actually like in the left-hand batter's box And he's got to create a ton of whip and and, and um, leverage on his body to get the ball to the strike zone. Miller's a little different, too. He's had some knee injuries. I think he had some foot injuries uh, before where they kind of lingered. Um, I think there are some significant questions with his health. Um, now, do I want the Red Sox to sign him? Absolutely, 100%. No more than two years. Because if you're wrong, it can't be another four-year deal it just can't we can't keep doing this to ourselves where and i typically i don't have an issue with with the with the contract and i and i'm but it's it's when it's half a decade and it's hampering you for for years on years when the player's gone that's a problem for me and so i'd overpay him and you're the red Sox because and you can uh, overpay him for two years and give him a ton of money you know if that's what it takes um especially if you're going to load up and go for it now, what does Andrew Miller not do for the Red Sox? He does not close games. It does not cure the fact that if you're going to spend on Miller, that, that 99.9% means you're not going to on Kimbrell or any other closer. So it creates an interesting situation where you have another guy that's willing to pitch in the you know sixth, seventh, eighth inning, but then you just have a whole bunch of guys who are willing to pitch in the sixth, seventh, and eighth inning. And you don't have one guy who's got to get the most important outs in the game. So um, I'm all in on Miller in Boston for two years, and I'd pay him. I'd pay him the fifty. I'd pay him. Spotrack is out of its mind at seventeen point eight. That that that's just ridiculous. Fourteen million, two years, twenty eight million. I'd do it. I'd do it because this team's loaded and ready to win again.
1: Yeah, and I mean he doesn't he wouldn't necessarily have to be the closer in Boston. Um you know, they could you know, they got have basically have until July 31st uh to figure that out, but um I I mean, I'm just going on a report uh by C- com. Uh they, you know, they reported that his uh knee is uh apparently healthy. So Um, But the other thing that we, we need to factor in here is he is 33 years old and everybody, you know, when they think Andrew Miller, they think playoffs 2016 when he was getting five, six, seven, eight outs per appearance. And I think we can agree that he's not that type of a guy anymore. And realistically, You're just looking for him to hold down that 8th inning, that ninth inning, or whatever. And for two years, like you said, I'm optimistic he could be a guy that does that for any team that, you know, is willing to sign him. Three years, that's a little dicey. You know, that's, you know, chances are that third year, you know, he could be dead money. So, um Uh, you know, so I, I don't know, but that could be the sticking point, you know, there could be, there could be a dozen teams in on him for two years, and, and they're gonna, you know, they're gonna hash it out with his agent, but if three or four teams are willing to go that third year, suddenly the market shrinks, and he's gonna, you know, end up on one of just those three or four teams, so, it's tough to tell where the market could um you know dictate which which team he ends up with but um you know he was a Yankee and they they signed him thinking they were going to be competitive and then it turned out they weren't competitive so they traded him in 2016 to the Indians and um you know and they've had him ever since but um he can pitch in any market. So I guess that's that's where I was going with that. He's pitched in Boston, pitched in Cleveland, pitched in uh New York and so there's no there's no real mystery, you know, to as to who he is. So I'm not I'm not going to place a team on him because like I said the market's so wide. I hope it's Boston, but it could be the Brewers, you know, they're they put a lot of emphasis on the bullpen, and um you know, maybe New York brings him back because uh, you know Robertson is also a free agent. Maybe he'll get some looks by the Red Sox, who knows, but um, it's just so impossible to um, to to pinpoint where he would go.
2: Well, I agree. And I do think that a third year will be in the mix. Um, and we've talked about some of the options in the past. You could have a vesting option on innings. Um, you could have a mutual option. Um, you know, you could give them a three-year contract with a one-year opt-out. You know, there's all sorts of, all sorts of options to sweeten the pot, to make that third year a, a factor but not necessarily a guarantee. Um, I do think that the market's going to be pretty broad for him. No, no mid market to small market team like the Rays are not getting in the Andrew Miller sweepstakes. The Marlins, you know, they're not. These teams aren't going to get in it. So <clears throat> it's not going to be so broad that everyone's a factor and it just drives the price out of this world. Um, and I think there there are going to be te- Let me let me just get to your Brewers comment because Chris earlier in the week said on the last podcast said that he sees Kimbrell and Milwaukee as a real possibility. Like their bullpens legit. Right. And there's no question about it. It was their strong point going into the NLTS, but like, are they, are we, like, is every potential, you know, bullpen arm going to go to Milwaukee? Like, are they not going to go get some starting pitching? It just seems to me that, yeah, they have some good, they have a good lineup and, you know they got a they got a bunch of guys that you know play really well together offensively and and defensively and they got a, a you know an elite bullpen it just seems to me that like all these relievers being time to, tied to Milwaukee is just I, i'm I'm just, like shrugging about it like it just doesn't make any sense to me um, but with that said miller miller is going to be on the forefront of any you know upper mid to large market team um that wants that guy you know that swiss army knife to get him over the top because he is the type of guy that can get you over the top he's the type of guy that can keep a one-run lead a one-run lead for multiple innings so you know um you know the dodgers could be a factor the Sox, the yanks um I, i haven't heard that that going back to cleveland's you know not a possibility you know who knows what the Astros are thinking as far as maybe lengthening their bullpen. Um, they've got a whole bunch of people to sign, so I just I don't see it. But you're right; it's really hard to be to, to do the prediction game. Uh, but I want him to be, I want him to be a Red Sox. So, you know, two years, twenty eight millions, by with maybe a third year um, tacked on there in some in some sort of creative option type of situation
1: yeah I mean I think it'll be around 14 15 annually and then so if it goes a third year you know it could be you know a 38 to 45 million dollar deal if it's a three-year contract if not it could be as much as two years uh, 30 million overall but uh, yeah interestingly and I might reach out to some brewers people but they lost their pitching coach to the Reds, and then they lost two other coaches as well. Like everybody just wanted to jump ship, and I mean I think that team's future is fairly bright. They do need to, they do need to address their uh, rotation, but that, that was just a bit surprising. And um, getting back to the Red Sox, though, uh, interestingly, Dave Dombrowski was the general manager who. First drafted Andrew Miller in the Tigers organization uh, I think in 2004 and you know he kind of came up through them I forget he might have ended up in Miami before the Red Sox and he ended up with the Red Sox in uh, 2011 and of course they, they even as late as then the Red Sox were still trying to uh, groom him into being a, a starting pitcher, and it wasn't until Valentine got there in 2012 where they uh, converted him into a uh, reliever, and it kind of started to take off. And he was pitching very well into the uh, 2013 season when he when he broke his uh, a bone in his foot there. And he always gave Valentine credit for that, you know, and he he would say that a lot of people give Valentine heat, but He gives him credit for helping transform his career. And uh, the other interesting note that does kind of involve Dombrowski is when uh, Ben Sherrington, who was the Sox GM in 2014 um, was kind of selling off a bunch of players. Lester went to Oakland, so did Gomes. Lackey went to the uh, Cardinals, and then Andrew Miller was like the big fish remaining, and it was his walk season, so it made perfect sense to trade him because we're, you know, we were on our way to a last place finish, and the two teams that came down to was the Detroit Tigers with Dave Dombrowski, and then the Baltimore Orioles. But the Orioles were very stubborn and weren't willing to give up. Eduardo Rodriguez, in that trade initially. So as it got close to the 4 p.m. deadline, it was looking like an almost certainty that he was going to end up in Detroit. And they had the package all worked out, I and I don't know who was in the package, but but apparently Sherrington and Dombrowski tentatively had agreed on something, and then the phone rang again uh, from Dan Duquette in the Orioles front office. And he said, all right, all right, I'll, we'll give you, we'll give you Erod," rod <laughs> And then he ended up, uh, going to Baltimore after all, but Dombrowski has several connections to Miller over the years. So, um, that, that'll make it kind of interesting if, if he ends up being in play for him, uh, this hot stove season. And, you know, you'll welcome it, I'll welcome it. I don't think there's any fan in Red Sox Nation that uh, wouldn't um, like to see that happen again. Especially, you know, if it means not bringing Kimbrough back because you know, he even though he kind of got it together, you know, in the World Series I I think everybody you know, was tired of having heart attack ninth innings with uh, him on the mound and we know who Miller is, so uh, any any f- final thoughts on him?
2: Yeah, I, if they sign him, I just don't know that it's. I don't think it's going to be as a closer. And I I, th- I think you agree with me there. Um, just as a little side, MLB Trade Rumors has Kelly getting the same contract that MLB uh, Trade Rumors has for Miller: three years, uh, nine million per. Uh, except he's going to the angels. So that creates an interesting little question, which is if the money's the exact same. Do you prefer Joe Kelly? Who's coming off what he just did for you. He has absolutely no history of injury uh, stuff, right-handed arm, power arm, um, you know, below average strike thrower, Uh, Andrew Miller on the opposite side. uh, He's also had some big time moments in October and November Uh, lefty better stuff um you know also struggles at times with throwing strikes but uh when he when he did get switched to the bullpen he was better um so for me um and i can't believe i'm about to say this but if the money's the same and it's a three-year deal um just as a little aside i would prefer kelly because i think you get a little bit more guarantee about what you're going to get especially health wise
1: I don't agree. Uh, I just don't trust Kelly uh, over the course of a full season. Um, Totally agree with the injury history and that he he likely would be the more durable guy. But but at the end of the day, he he can fall off a cliff. Miller's the type of guy who I think can adapt, can come up with solutions a little bit quicker to kind of fix his game. And... um, i would I would take Miller, you know, even if the third year is risky. but uh, the thing with Kelly too is um, he's I, I can't remember if we covered this on a previous show or if we texted about it or whatever. Uh, but he's saying he he's open to being a starter. So um, that makes his market a little more uh, interesting, I guess, for lack of a better term um and i the angels would be the team to sign him as a starter <laughs> cuz that's a dumpster fire organization and and they can't do anything right so um but my my preference would would definitely be to for miller and it's been a while since we've had a a very um above average or even an elite lefty reliever and uh, so I think I think Miller is the solution there, and then still have Brazier, still have Barnes, uh, you know, for righties. And um, I'm not convinced that we might not go after two relievers, even you know, even though we do have Feltman and Lakin's uh, both basically major league ready. But um, yeah, but to answer your question, I my preference is Miller.
2: Okay. I mean, I'm just, you know, to me, the, if, if, if you're going to get health, then I don't, I don't think there's any question. Miller's, you know, more dynamic, more flexible, pitches, you know, multiple innings at a time. It's just to me that the health stuff scares me, especially because part of my hypothetical was the third year. Um, it just seems to me that that, that that just creates another situation where you may be sitting on a contract you know, like Sandoval. Uh, you know, they were able to move off the Carl Crawford and some of these other deals, but it just seems to me that they just can't get out from underneath having these these contracts they have to pay for 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 players that are no longer in Boston and a third year for Andrew Miller screams like, watch out, here it comes. So, you know, that was my thought. And 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 going, uh, Kelly, I, I don't. And, and by the way, if you get two good years adam miller and then he hurts his arm and just is done i'm okay with that i'm okay i'm okay paying uh uh you know a hollywood send-off final year for two good years especially if one of them brings you a championship so don't get me don't get me wrong but you know that's where i'm at with it and uh terry the last guy on our list is uh your world series mvp uh grew up a boston red sox fan steve pierce you want to lead off there Uh, Sure. I, uh, you know, it's impossible to place him on
1: a team uh, for similar reasons as it is Miller. Um, Pierce is just, he's going to be affordable. And, you know, so any team, you know, looking for a guy who who can mash against lefties is going to be in the market for him. And, uh, he's 35 so he's not gonna have a whole lot of leverage in terms of number of years um, you know so I'm expecting it to be a one or two year deal and you know maybe thanks to his playoff performance instead of a you know a six or seven million dollar uh, deal annually he did get six million uh, this past year maybe he gets a bump up to nine or ten. But that's still going to be affordable for literally any market out there. And um, I think he is who he is. I mean, he's always been a decent – he's always hit for, for decent average. And, and um, you know, he's been on a lot of teams and can play in a big market. So I just – I don't know if the Red Sox are a fit because we still do have Moreland – i know you're not a big travis guy but he's going to be out of options at some point and he might be viable uh you know also to platoon there although i think he's a lefty so maybe not but um but you have michael chavis uh bobby dahlbeck could possibly be up with a big club maybe later in the season compared to chavis you know you might be looking at more like all-star break by the time dahlbeck is ready but um I just don't think the Red Sox are an obvious fit, but that's not to say they don't sign him anyway, and then if one of those two prospects is absolutely destroying it in in AAA, suddenly Pierce becomes a very tradable contract, and I'm pretty sure you would find a dance partner for him, so who knows who knows but uh you know there, there's no mystery to him he's a very solid player and uh very selfless as well good clubhouse guy so who
2: wouldn't want him well that's absolutely true and you just never know what the m the world series performance and mvp is going to do that you know that sort of stuff always results in one team getting crazy, you know. Um we've talked uh in a couple podcasts ago the difference between Avaldi's, Kelly's, you know, those guys is Pierce, their value as a as a, you know, on a career track on, on a regular season basis versus what they just did in the last six weeks. Um Pierce's obviously falls in that category i mean if you have one team that's like oh my god this guy's a 912 ops against left-handed pitching that's you know we, you know that you know especially in a, if you have a bandbox the guy could you know go out and have a monster year however he's 35 he doesn't really hit right-handed pitching um and he i don't know that he's ever been a real everyday player i mean you know it's amazing that he's been in the AL East and played on every single team, but at the same time, you know, uh, he hasn't necessarily been on my radar. Um, I don't think there's any question, uh, that he's a fit in, in, in this lineup. I think he's a perfect compliment to Moreland. They, they have sought for the entire length of Moreland's, um, 10 years of Boston Red Sox to find the piece that complements him. Steve Pierce seems to be that guy, obviously. um, and it's a nice story uh, that he grew up a Sox fan and all that stuff. That doesn't play any factor for me because that, you know, I, it, just, it just doesn't. I don't I don't care if you grew up in Quincy and, you know, went to Quincy High and, you know, played college baseball in Boston College or you grew up in Antarctica and, you know, wherever. I just – whatever's best for the Boston Red Sox. I don't care about all the cutesy stories. I care about results. Uh, with that said, I do like Pierce coming back. Um I think it's a one-year deal with a two-year vest. Um, where if he gets 450 plate appearances, you know, OPS over nine against left-handed hitters, like some of those things that you want him for, you know, you could you work in a second year if he's still the guy that he's been. Um, but I think if you're going multi years for a guy that's 35 years old, it's just crazy. To, you know, you're just you just again to get into that whole like. Do you want to pay for a guy who's not here? Type of situation. Um, I, I just don't know that I'm a two year guaranteed guy on Pierce, and he is a nice player, but um, he's not a superstar. He's not a guy you're gonna you know just plug in the lineup every day and you know build your lineup around him. So, um, I think what Moreland was a two year nine million dollar deal, four point five each. If you could get them for that type of money, uh, because like you said, uh, that's inherently a tradable contract, I, I would I would pull the trigger yesterday. I think it's going to take a little bit more, so I think you're going to be looking at like a two year contract. The first year is like seven seven and a half million dollars, and then the second year vests at around the same amount um, based on you know the factors that like again OPS against left handed pitching played appearances, those sorts of things that, uh, you know, would give the team some protections on a second year.
1: Yeah, I mean, he, Moreland actually basically made the same money as him last year, um, six and a half. So he, he's on a two-year $13 million deal. And, and may, that's probably about right for Pierce, you know, give or take a million or so uh, on either side. Um, the the other thing to consider here, though, with Boston specifically, is Devers probably at this point has won the you know the everyday job you know at third, so he'll get the bulk of the time there. You still have Bogarts, you know, basically every day at um short. I mean, the, there's a lot of optimism that Pedroia could come back and. And Cora said if, if he's ready and gets through spring training, then he'll reward him by letting him lead off, you know, on opening day. But um, the, to me, that's far-fetched. But that's just what's being said, you know, within the Red Sox. So it kind of – I mean, Pedroia is going to probably play into into the Pierce thing because if Pedroya is not ready – then Nunez and Holt probably platoon second, and then and then you do have room, um, you know, for Pierce on the bench, you know, to platoon with Moreland. If Pedroia is back, as far fetched as that is, then I just don't. The, it I have a harder time trying to get Pierce onto the roster because then Nunez probably sees time. At first, with with Mitch Moreland, and then we don't know what's happening with the catcher situation. It does sound like Leon could get pedaled, but if he doesn't, you still have Swihart. Maybe Swihart gets time at first. It's it could it could be a huge clusterfuck right now. So we kind of have to see how they feel about the other parts of their roster before um, we get too optimistic. I think with Pierce. But um, that being said, you know, if, if it does end up being a two year deal, whether it's one in a vesting option, they could go one with a player option, you know, and leave it up to Pierce, which is exactly what they did with Nunez. I, I, I have a harder time seeing that come into play, but, um, but, you know, if it ends up being two years, He's probably getting seven or eight million per year, and I I think that would be tops for him. I, he's not Mike Lowell though. I mean, Mike Lowell in two thousand seven when he won the MVP, there were you know he had Big Poppy who seemed like a more likely candidate for that than he was uh, Manny Ramirez, who had an epic walk off in the in the ALDS that year. I mean, he could have been you know, an MVP possibly. And then Mike Lowell just, you know, he had the series of his life, and he won it. And, you know, he was a few years younger than Pierce, or a couple years younger anyway, and got a three-year, $36 million deal. But I, I, you know, but Lowell was solid all year round. Pierce, you know, mostly against lefties. So I, I think... I think the rest of the league knows who Steve Pierce is. They know that they're not getting October Steve Pierce for, you know, six full months. You know, he, he, he is who he is. And, uh, you know, I, I think his value, you know, will, will basically be the same regardless of, uh, what he did in October anyway. So, um,
2: those are my thoughts. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I again with Pierce just to put a butt on it. I think, like Miller, the prediction game is going to be really hard. Um, for at least for for me for two reasons. The first. Uh, like Miller, I think there's going to be a ton of teams involved. And, and by the way, Pierce is the type of guy who's going to be attractive to small and mid-market teams looking for a veteran presence in the middle of the lineup. So you just hate to see maybe um, uh, some other teams that uh, otherwise wouldn't be factors in prime free agents jump in and muddy up the market a little bit. Um, and then second again, the potential overvaluation of a guy who's coming off a, a splash. Like winning a World Series MVP, so um, you know. And then you made a pretty good point. You know, Pedroia being there, not being there, the unknown of it—it's um, creating. It, it's it's holding the the roster hop. Um, it's holding the roster hostage to a certain extent. I just don't think. I think it's silly to think that he's going to be there on opening day and I think it's silly to think that he's going to go back to being a guy who gets 600 plate appearances. So,
1: yeah, I, and I agree. I I agree, but you never know. (laughs) you know, I guess wrong so many times the last couple of months with Cora, you know, and you know what his idea was
2: going forward. So we'll see. Um, Dombrowski, you know, this team has a division of church and state. Cora may have input, but it's Dombrowski's roster. Um, And, you know, Dombrowski favors proven talent over young talent and over prospects. It's um, one of the reasons why his teams typically have a limited window to win a World Series. He has won other World Series, he won one with the Marlins. But it's also why he's known for eviscerating the farm system. Um, so, you know, he's done things in past off seasons like trade three or four prospects for Kim- Kimbrel and, and you know, send, um, you know, send prime top guys over in the Chris Sale deal. And, you know, so it's I don't think this roster needs much. And that's why I like Pierce. He's just a perfect complement. That's uh, why I like Miller, um, because he he is going to solidify a bullpen, which notwithstanding the playoffs, this bullpen sucked all year. And most people thought that when the Red Sox failed to the extent they would fail, and it was going to be – and we both said this in our predictions moving into the postseason – we thought it would be the bullpen that ultimately let the team down. And so I don't think you can you can necessarily ignore the bullpen now just because you won a World Series. It's still your weakness. So Miller's a perfect compliment for that. He's a Swiss Army knife, like I've said. He's a multiple inning guy, like I've said. Pierce, again, you don't need to break the bank. We're not we're not filling major holes. We're we're the the, the hopefully Dombrowski without the use of prospects, because he just can't he can't use the prospects unless it's a splash guy like Chris Bryant. So he's gonna to have to go out and do these you know he's gonna to have to go stick his finger in the dam with a guy like Pierce and Miller and um, you know and and find guys that are maybe undervalued that are that, that have a proven track record and see if you can't get him and and, and, and complement the roster not overhaul the roster complement the roster because this team is geared to go try to win another one
1: yeah, and, I mean, I I don't see why we wouldn't. And, you know, we'll have to see what the Yankees do with their uh, rotation, whether they get Paxton or uh, Corbin or however. But, I mean, it, it's going to be hard not to give the Red Sox the edge, you know, as far as winning it, you know, winning the division, I mean, in – Uh, 2019 and then you know seeing where they go after that so I I don't know we'll see Um, one notable trade that happened uh, this week was kind of interesting the Mariners traded their catcher uh, Mike Zanino to the Tampa Bay Rays and those two teams seem to do business quite a bit actually um, but they they've done it again, and he's you know I mean he's probably one of the better offensive catchers in the sport, and um, Guillermo Heredia and uh, Malik Smith were the two you know big players that went back to Seattle in that deal. Um, I know I know Tampa also got an arm, but I didn't know much about him. That'd be Chris would be all over this whole trade and the mechanics of it and whatnot. But um, but w- what I take from that is that uh, Tampa is going to be competitive this year. And we, we talk about Pierce. I mean, who says that Tampa couldn't be a landing spot there as well? You know, So I, I just think they're a team we're going to have to keep an eye on, basically, uh, going forward. And, I mean, they could easily be a 90-plus win team again this year for all we know
2: yeah it's a good point and um i wish i said something when i was talking about pierce because i the rays were in the forefront of my mind when i was talking about mid to lower market teams being a factor and 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 broadening the market um you know pierce has already played for the double race um so it, it's one of those things where he's already signed there and I, I don't know anything about his tenure there, and you know whether it was you know fruitful bo- for both sides, and or whether there was some angst uh, upon separation. I, I'm not exactly sure, but I think you're dead on. And by the way, um, looking at this trade, um, they're obviously trying to replace the Wilson Ramos production. Um, and this team was crazy good for what I thought going into the season was a significant lack of talent. Um, so, and Cash gets those guys to play. You know, they, they show up and um, you know they beat teams they don't think they should. You don't think they should beat and mat- pitching matchups you think they should. They don't have a chance in. And, and uh, a move like this seems to certainly help. You know, add a win or two that may get them into the postseason next year. So, something to think about. Terry, one thing before we sign off. Um, obviously, the format here for, for the time being is is some hot stove stuff and picking a, uh, a a guy or two in in just general Major League Baseball and then one guy that has a direct impact on the Boston Red Sox. To any listener out there that has a specific individual they'd like us to talk about, please feel free to uh, tweet at Terry and or I. Um, and maybe we could do a Twitter poll or something like that to – to see who, who uh, the listeners would be interested in. So just a, just a little uh, an opportunity for some feedback for the podcast. We have been getting a lot of feedback recently. I try to tweet, and I know, Terry, you do too. I try to tweet at people, and we do appreciate the feedback. Please keep it coming. I think it makes the product better, and I think it helps us cater to what you guys want to listen to. Um, and, and here's an opportunity for you guys to maybe pick the players that, uh, you know, That We're going to talk about so that you uh, you have a specific interest in what we have to say. So thank you for the listeners out there. And uh, Terry, I'll I'll leave it up to you to to sign us off.
1: Yeah, I I mean, I think we're good. You know, we're just uh, I guess the next show will be uh, probably I'm guessing probably Thursday at this point. uh, If that works for you, Um, it does. Yeah, and uh, so between now and then, nothing looks imminent. You might see some uh, some trades more so than signings take place, but uh, we'll just kind of monitor the market, and then uh, probably tomorrow we'll come out with a, a tentative uh, um, group of three players to, uh, to profile in addition to any transactions that do uh, happen, so... Uh, I guess we'll leave it at that.
2: Terry, thanks as always. Have a great night. Yeah, you as well, man.
1: 100th episode in the books. Uh, And thanks to everybody, though, that's kind of, you know, through the whole process. I mean, it's, it's a much different show now than... the first show was, and, and it's a much different show now than probably episode 60 was. (laughs) So, um, the numbers are good. The feedback, like Jeremy was just saying, is is very good. Um, if you want to help us out, the, the biggest thing you could do if, if you're an iTunes subscriber is to, uh, you know, give us a rating, hopefully five stars, uh, you know, some positive comments uh, would go a long way in terms of visibility because that is the, the uh, app or um, platform that most of the downloads for this podcast um, happen on. So um, that would be a huge help. But anyway, uh, thanks again to everyone who's listened throughout the last year and a half. Uh, I can't believe it's been 100, but um, before you know it, it'll be 200. So, (laughs) uh, you know, I enjoy it very much. Jeremy, uh, still relatively new, but has, uh, I'm guessing, at least a dozen or so. Well, probably more than that now because we did so many during the playoffs, but... Um, but you know, he's been around the last couple of months and, and enjoys it just as much as I do. So, um, it's, uh, it's a nice, nice thing we have going and, uh, Liz will be back with us on Thursday. She's been doing some vacationing the last couple of weeks. So, um, be nice to have her back and, uh, we'll go from there. So everybody have a good start to your week and, uh. We will uh, be back with you Thursday night, Friday morning, whenever you happen to listen. Take care.
0: I live and die with red socks for eternity. I sleep walk through the day. Family, wherever I roam, a Fenway home, that is where I long to be. I'm a member of the Red Sox Nation, it's a kind of insanity. Yeah, I live and die with Red Sox, riding for eternity.